0: Okay. Are we uh?
1: We are set. We ro- are recording. Great. Oh, I didn't send the email, but whatever. I'll
0: try try. Okay. Okay. Um.
1: Hi. Hi. It's nice to see you. It's
0: good to see you. Welcome back to Slouching Towards Enlightenment. It's been a while since we've recorded. Yes. Um, since Thanksgiving ish, and uh, and oh, and then for those of you who. <laughs> I don't know how to my my friend Randy Squire, who has um a great podcast with his brother Jason, told us that we should be telling people what kind of podcast this oh, is right an introduction an introduction
1: that makes sense,
0: yes, so let's both try one and then okay, so this is slouching towards enlightenment i'm Ta- I'm Teo Burkhardt.
1: I'm Brian Rose
0: and this is the podcast where we discuss enlightenment consciousness. And try not to be too serious about it. Right. What do you think?
1: I think that's pretty perfect. You
0: you want to try one?
1: I think the podcast that discusses meditation, Vedic tradition, it's mostly our excuse to hang out.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's our excuse to hang out. And we're just bringing you all along. And today we're going to talk about doubts. (laughs) Doubts.
1: Ba-room, wow. mm-hmm. ba mm-hmm. 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 We have a lot of doubts that we have to talk about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're, um, and this came up, didn't you bring it up? Didn't you ask, you asked me a question recently.
1: I did ask you a question recently. I asked you if you ever have doubts as a teacher, Mm -hmm. if that ever comes up for you.
0: And what kind of doubts?
1: doubts about the practice working doubts about anything like is this whole thing a
0: magic trick is Is, this is life even real do you have doubts about
1: everything anything
0: yeah okay so i think this is important to talk about because i think that most meditators at some point have doubts and a lot of meditators there's a honeymoon period when you learn you know you're you're stressed out you haven't And you're like, ah, you know, is this going to work? And a lot of people, someone just said this to me recently. They said, oh, this is not going to work or whatever. Someone I just initiated. But then it does work. You start sleeping again and you notice that when your eyes are closed, you go super deep and you have all these really unusual, unique, deep experiences that you can't have with your eyes open.
1: Right. Right. And how long is that honeymoon period typically for people? Depends. Okay. It depends. And and
0: I can only, I, I only have to discuss when I'm saying this. I got to make a point to say, I'll only talk about twice a day meditators. Because if you're not, if you're meditating once a day, once in a blue moon, then there's no way to, of course you're going to doubt. All those people are going to doubt because they're not giving it. It's like someone going to the gym, doing uh, one sit up. And going back the next week and doing 20, and then coming back three days later and doing two. That sounds a
1: lot like my gym experience. Yeah, looking
0: looking at his gut and going, this doesn't work. Uh, Gyms are stupid, you know. But what was the mistake was in the practitioner just not doing it. So it's easier to talk about twice-a-day meditators. And I would say that honeymoon period I've seen last um, a few weeks or a few months okay, or even a year. But at some point... Doubt creeps in, and the doubts can look like, well, I I hear this a lot. I'm not going deep anymore. Right. So that's that's one big one that that I want to talk about. Um, The other is uh, doubts can creep in actually when you're getting initiated. You know, you're standing there. You you know, of course you're doubting. You you just wrote a check or (laughs) Venmoed me or one of my colleagues. You were sent off to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods to get fruit flowers and what what's that for and then you watch me sing a song that you can't understand It's called puja very beautiful and even people who feel resistance once it starts it is kind of mellifluous and interesting at least to yeah. hear sanskrit sung but i'm feeding a picture rice it looks like i'm feeding you know the picture of rice or flowers well, you or, are do yeah, i yeah. am and i'm doing yeah. all these things and i think it's very natural for the person to think uh-oh what have what I got I... myself into? <laughs> you know, is this, what does that, this have to do with anything? And am I being indoctrinated into a cult? Mm-hmm. and Or does this conflict with my religious beliefs? Or um, it, what's he going to do next? Am I going to get hypnotized? So I think doubts can start early on. And then the other doubts is, is this a snow job? Is this hypnotism? I've been asked that a lot. Is yeah. this hypnotism? Is this um is this a cult? Yeah. Is this we're gonna have to remember all these because I wanna go through all these points. Yeah, let's Yeah. Is this a cult? Is this have I just been tricked into into a religion and now I'm suddenly Hindu but I don't know it? Right. That kind of thing. Or
1: like you just married us. <laughs> right,
0: exactly exactly. <laughs> Did we just Exactly. <laughs> I told you that before, right? What? That story where um and now you know the person. Uh my colleague Steph Coleman and I and you know mm-hmm. you you've met Steph. Uh she uh we 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 love th- Steph. We love I Steph. love Steph. I know she's the best. Um and and for those of you who don't know Steph, she's in Bondi Beach and if you're listening to this in Bondi Beach and you need a teacher, go see Steph. Steph Coleman. Um so we 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 went on this pilgrimage with a bunch of other colleagues to uh Joe and Kedernath and Bajranath and and Valley of the Flowers. And then when we got back, our dear friend Pondichi, who looks like an ewok, he's a little um conge- congealed ball of bliss of a man from he's from southern India. He floats. He, he kind of floats he he's just walk. He's, yeah, he's just he's like a bouncing ball <laughs> of bliss and he' he's dark he's very dark colored like most southern indians and um he did a yagya for us but what was funny is after like at the end of the yagya he brought us both out to we're going to have to do one on yagyas too because yes. i keep it keeps coming up Yeah, a fire ceremony um so we did one or i think or maybe it was just yeah so after it was done he brought us both out to uh ganga or the ganges the holy yeah. river which is um in India, Ganga or Ganga Ma, Mother Ganga, is a Devi, a, um, a spirit, a law of nature, uh, you know. And he poured water on both of our heads and had us like tied something like our wrists together. Oh, he was no. doing this whole thing. And like so,
1: you and Steph are married. Right.
0: We might be married. <laughs> <laughs> so all you ladies out there, I'm taken. <laughs> Um, but what was funny is, you know, we were just getting a yoga, but he, he started doing all this stuff and we started to look at each other like, this has never happened. What's happening right this now? This has never happened. And then afterwards, she just kind of leaned into my ear and said, did we just get married? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. So I
1: didn't know the story. This is so good. You didn't know this? Good. It was
0: so funny. And this is, so I guess I've been married for um, four years now. Yeah. Yep. Good. Four years. I got married. <laughs> I got married in Rishikesh to Seth Coleman. Maybe <laughs> I have my doubts and that's the theme of this. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Indoctrination or does this even work? And when people come around, whether it's three months or a year and say this, I'm not going deep anymore. What's going on? There's there, there are they're coming from a you know they're unsure they're having they think it stopped working. they feel like it did work for a while and now it's stopped working some some of the magic has worn off and <clears throat> I love it when my- my students come to me with that because it's a very easy easily answered question, but I think a lot of meditators are afraid to ask their meditation teacher that because they don't want to put the meditation teacher on the spot right like you failed me or right. You knew all along this. We actually love all these questions. Um, or they don't want to admit it to themselves. They rather just sort of maybe stop a little bit and, oh, well, it worked that one time. So it's good to go through all of these doubts that people might have.
1: Or maybe if I stop and restart, the magic will pick back up.
0: Right. Something, something like that. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Take a break from meditation. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, but th- let's, let's do this doubt first. Well, have you felt this? Like you don't go deep anymore? Have you felt that yet?
1: Uh, I think I certainly have meditations where things don't, they just, it, I just get thoughts. Right. And that is a little bit frustrating. But then something will hit where I will have a great one and, yeah. and I feel reinvigorated. Yeah. So I think, yes, that it has certainly occurred to me. But as you know, I went on my boycott a couple of weeks ago.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you had some doubts. Well,
1: I, ha- I had some doubts. I had some doubts.
0: You want to. So <laughs> Brianne Rose <clears throat> decided to boycott this meditation. <laughs> the, the co-host of Souching Towards Enlightenment um, decided to.
1: Uh, I was having doubts about the podcast. And, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> and
0: she, you know, you so you stopped meditating for what was it, four or five days? Yeah. OK. And what do you think about that? afterwards i was a
1: wreck yeah. i was an actual disaster <laughs> walking disaster yeah. really so yeah. you
0: felt that much of a difference yes and did you did you think it could be anything else besides not meditating
1: no i think that there was only one culprit in that scenario that was showing up
0: and but you kind of begrudgingly went back to it right
1: i i did i called you uh-huh. we spoke yeah and you said why are you doing this
0: I should have said, what are our fans going to think?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just was feeling defiant. I just was yeah. feeling defiant. So, yeah, it, it didn't serve me well. Mm. The boy Yeah. And I don't even know that it was that I was having doubts. I was just having a rough week and mm. I, I think I missed one or two. And I was like, you know what? What happens if I just miss a few? What happens if I just miss a few days? Right. Um. I don't need this. I don't need this.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It f- turns out
0: that it helps. That
1: it really helps. Do you
0: think it's easier to meditate twice a day or not to meditate
1: at all? It's much easier to meditate twice a day. Right. Not not because of the time that it takes, but just in terms of what it ha-
0: the effect it has on your yeah, life. Yeah, I think
1: that was the frustrating <clears throat> part is I was wondering momentarily in my weird week what... What was it doing? So I had to test it.
0: Yeah. Okay. You just said something that I think is really important. You had to test it. And sometimes when people don't do this, I I just, this, this just happened. I I just taught someone in LA and she's a, the daughter of a friend of mine. And and she, she missed one. I text her. I'm like, how's everything going? And she said, I missed one. I feel so guilty. And you don't have to feel guilty at all, ever missing one, because we don't want, meditation shouldn't be about something that if you don't do you punish yourself yeah um it's great to go for the bullseye and and perfection meaning never miss one but if we do miss one it's best to shrug it off but i know uh, my friend jara uh she was telling me about um <clears throat> she stopped meditating for like three months and she said it was like moving back to square one like something like that like it she really felt the difference and she felt a little guilty about it i think and but but we reframed it as what she did was research into not meditating we put on the scientist's hat and say i'm going to do research into what it's like not to meditate then we don't have to punish ourselves it's more we we enter we test it yeah. or it's an experiment that will give us results Feedback or on, or data yeah. on um on whether it is, on if what we're doing has value. So when people have doubts and go off it, sometimes it actually can be kind of a good thing because they go into research mode, even though they don't maybe think that consciously. So... Um, I was deliberate. <laughs> you was <is> deliberate. <laughs> Would you walk towards the couch and go, nope, not today, motherfuckers. Uh-uh, I'd
1: wave my <laughs> finger in the air and say, that's not happening. <laughs> no, it was It was just more of a um, see what it felt like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I think when that doubt happens of this, it's not working anymore. Uh, I'll clear this up by saying it. it it's always working. If you're a twice-a-day meditator and you just notice for a long time, maybe it feels like thoughts or stress release or something, uh you you kind of start to go through phases and seasons of this meditation and there are seasons or phases um where you may have no deep meditations for a month or two months or something something's happening maybe your the nervous system has reached a place in the physiology where it's really doing a lot of excavating and then soon it it gets some of that out and you start having a deeper phase but really, when people say it's not working, they mean I'm not going deep again. They've had it in their mind or their expectation as They go deep, shallow, deep, shallow, you know, one deep a day, one shallow a day. And maybe it's been a few years and suddenly it just doesn't feel like not anything's happening. This is a normal progression. When you are, uh, before you learn how to meditate, you're in your eyes open, waking state. And we would call that shallow. You're on the relative gross layer right. of reality. And then when you meditate and go deep, it's extraordinary. You hear the teacher say deep, but you don't understand what that really, really means until you get there. I've heard people say, oh, I go deep in meditation all the time. And then they learn this and they're like, scratch what I said. Yeah. This was something else. This was, yeah. False deep. False deep. So, you know, they're mutually exclusive. You can either have thoughts, eyes open, or go deep. But- if we continue to meditate twice a day, we are inexorably moving towards uh, a integration and integration, excuse me, of speaking better, mm-hmm. of thoughts and eyes open and feeling deep at the same time, and they become mutually inclusive. So this happens by stabilizing depth into your eyes open waking state through constant meditation, meaning getting rid of stresses so you can go deeper, the more stress you release over a year, two years, or three years, the more you can be deep and stay deep. And when you're deep and staying there, you start to interface with pure consciousness. Right. And that gets imprinted on your identity. And your identity starts to switch to, I'm Brian Rose, I'm this, you know, awesome <laughs> Gow, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 whatever, to I am, it, it's going to become, it's like the wave suddenly realize it's been the ocean the whole time. Right. The wave may love to meditate because it gets to feel like, feel oceanic, but then it's wave again. At some point, you know, the wave keeps meditating. I love being ocean. I'm just going to go flat, you know, that would be deep. But after a while, the wave is going to say, what am I doing? Right. I'm ocean. This whole time I thought I was wave because it was so convincing. It was so fun to be that little curvature, but I'm ocean and I get to play Brienne. I'm, I I like the wave. I like this little consciousness and this shifts from I'm Brienne and I like to go deep and feel oceanic to I've always been oceanic. I've always been the universe, and it's kind of fun to play Bri.
1: So you're talking about the synthesis of those two things yes. where they meet.
0: Yes. 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 So and it's well a
1: subtle. Yeah, it be-
0: has to be. Self. It has to. So when you are transcending, when you've moved beyond thought, you are in you're in Tria, you yeah. are in an unbounded state of pure consciousness. But after a while, after you've been meditating for a little while, because like, right, in, you know, in the beginning days, you, you know, you meditate and you might have the thought, oh, I'm going deep. And that pushes you up to the surface. Definitely. Right. But at some point and for you, it, if it hasn't happened yet, it's coming very soon that you'll be deep and you'll think holy shit I'm so deep
1: and it doesn't kick you out it does,
0: and then, yeah and then there's a pause and you go wait I'm still deep and I'm having thoughts how can this be possible and that's the beginning of it that's the very beginning now we'd love it if 10 minutes later we were fully enlightened but it has that has to happen over time and there's more integration and um The more purification there is, purifying stress, the more integration there can be of um, unboundedness into the thinking individual mind.
1: So the reason it feels less deep over time is because that has seeped into our eyes open waking state. Yes. Slowly. But it has to be subtle. It has to be slow. Otherwise, it would be unnerving. It would be upsetting. It could be jarring. yeah. Yeah.
0: But this is a, I'm giving her the you're right point with my pointer did, finger he's
1: poking at me.
0: He's... <laughs> you're exactly, exactly right. When you start having these thoughts deep in meditation and then they sort of take over your depth and you think like, well, gosh, I used to go deep all the time, but now I'm having thoughts. First, it's like, wow, I can think and I'm deep. Right. And then at some point you're just like, I'm thinking that's all I do. I think on the surface, I think no matter where I am in the meditation, there's thoughts. But if you'll notice, you meaning you who have been meditating for two, three, four years or something like that, that you are a little bit more unboundedness unbounded now with your eyes open. Something from deep within has seeped into your consciousness and has taken over. Now you don't have to close your eyes to go deep. You're already deep. So you can still sometimes feel like, oh, this is a more thinky meditation or this is a more Less thinking meditation, but as you uh, go on your meditation journey,
1: journey, <laughs>
0: journey, have that journey, intimacy journey, <laughs> Enya, Enya. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay, you do not get to group Enya in with. I, I, I just want to clearly state on this podcast, mm-hmm. I am pro Enya. <laughs> I love Enya. I like. Tao not.
0: No, that's not true. I think that's unfair. I do like Enya. Deo I just think it's fun it in to tease. With Like
1: New Age.
0: Like John Tesh. Yeah,
1: you no, I think you just group it in with. Uh-oh, What um, if John
0: Tesh is a listener? Oh, John. <laughs> sorry, John, John. I'm so
1: sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. No, I, I think you just group her in with. Um, Deep forest. People who use the word journey a lot. You're right, and, I do. And hot yoga.
0: Right, yoni. <laughs> Yoni. You're, yeah. for, for those yogis out there. Um, no, I shouldn't say this. I was going to say you're only allowed to say Yoni five times a day. No more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love how you say you're not going to say it. And then you immediately say it. I can't
0: help myself. I have Tourette's. I don't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tourette's. Te- Tourette's. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. So this is
0: this is a this is a normal doubt that everybody goes through that my meditation isn't working anymore. But what they've they're they're just failing to notice. It's a notice thing is that that integration, that dawning of cosmic consciousness has already begun and you have to look for it. It's helpful to talk to your teacher. You find that you don't go deep anymore and you're kind of wondering, is this how it's going to be? Talk to your teacher. Talk to me if I'm your teacher or talk to, you know, whoever initiated you or call Steph Coleman, my wife, and she'll (laughs) she'll set you straight um but that's i think that's one of the most common doubts is this working um is it a magic trick uh no this is based on sound vibration kind of like when a piano is being tuned if someone is holding a tuning fork the moment that that chord gets tightened to its actual key i don't know you're the music person octave i'm gonna
1: let you continue on i don't know (laughs) when it's
0: when it's in the right whatever that tuning fork will vibrate key. it may be key, key yeah and maybe if there's a cello in the room one of the strings on that will start vibrating too this is based on sound and sound has influence on us yeah. um so it's not a magic trick now let's talk about is this a cult Which we yes <laughs> welcome
1: we've addressed it i mean we've ha- we've asked the question and i think you have two- Write two really good points to this. I never remember what I say, so you have to tell Well, me. I, I think one of them is that cults typically drive you to rely on... Dependency. Dependency, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> rely on the cult or rely on the mm-hmm. leader or whomever we're referring to. And this practice teaches you to rely on yourself.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Or yeah. on your, you know, knowing that you are unbounded. You yes. Don't need...
0: Well they, yeah, there's one more, so it's it's cults teach dependency, yeah, and and that can mean, by the way, relationships, yeah. it can mean family systems, yeah um, I know I know family systems where the parents are st- want the kids to be dependent, yeah, or or s- institutions, yeah, you know, uh, but the other one is exploitation. It would be dependency and exploiting the students or exploiting the members of the group or something oh, like right.
1: that. Oh, right, like for
0: financial gain? For, or, or for any kind of gain. Okay. It could be financial. It could be uh, a narcissism. Right. It could be, you know, sex or something like that. Right. It could be anything. It could be any, any kind. It could just be taking your resources. Yeah. Um, but usually they take the resources, so you wind up having to depend on them. Right. Um, but cults are generally... There's a narcissist at the at the head of it generally, yeah. um, but if that narcissist is teaching you to be self-sufficient, then you're probably not in a, in a cult. Yeah,
1: you know, and yeah. that
0: person probably isn't a narcissist. Yeah, uh, but it gets tricky because I think it's hard. Well, to there's
1: make... a community around it. Yep, and there is an initiation, mm-hmm. and I think you can point to both of those things as yeah.
0: They 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 could be red flagish. Yes. And the other thing is, is there are communities that say, you know, you're not a You could get kicked out of the community, or you yeah. can, or we don't want anybody looking in the community. One thing that I love about my teacher is he's he's always told us like this is, you know, the, the most irrelevant thing meditators could do is all find a town and move there. And just be there with each other, so they don't have to deal with non-meditators. And you're completely missing the point. That happened, right? That happened in Fairfield, by the way, Fairfield, Iowa.
1: Really? Yeah. There was a meditation. It's a
0: whole city full of uh, transcendental meditators. But I haven't been there, so it could just be a center of teaching self-sufficiency. Everyone's
1: really nice and really calm. Yeah, I know someone runs stop signs. (laughs) Right. I know someone who went to a
0: to to a high school nearby because there's a high school. Associated and she said uh, she always wanted to go there because they would—they're uh, like the science fairs; they would just slay it. <laughs> and she always wanted to be. So I don't—I I don't know much about Fairfield, but but I do know that Maharishi said, you know, we are—you you don't want a lamppost convention. Yeah. You want to be out there as a meditator. It's good to be friends with meditators, absolutely, but we don't want to be friends with only meditators because then what are we bringing to the world? Yeah. You know, we're supposed to. Bring capability, um, adaptation, energy, creativity, and intelligence to everybody. Uh, someone, I think it was, it was an interview, but I don't know if it was live or a newspaper. Someone asked Maharishi, said, "You know, well, what happens after you finish this whole movement? Are you, is the idea to just like go live in a town with all your meditators, and would that be heaven?" And he said, "No, that would be hell." He said, "Well, what's heaven to you?" And he said. Being around all the most ignorant people in the world. Give me the darkness. Yeah. Because what use is a light when it's sunny out? You know, for him, what he really loved was shedding that light and, and waking people up. And you can't do that. You can't feel, he wouldn't feel like he served his purpose unless he could be in the darkness. He knew his role. So that's, that's the cult business.
1: Okay. Now what about the hypnosis? Is there any element of that? I wish we had a theremin. Wouldn't that,
0: this be a good yeah. theremin cue? I think we should
1: definitely just add it. Add like
0: it later.
1: Boast. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> um, hypnosis keeps you on the level of thought. Uh, you are. Have you ever seen the movie Zentropa? Mm mm. Very good.
1: It sounds like the YouTube album Europa. It
0: does actually. I think they actually changed the name of Zentropa to Europa, but it's Vim Venders who did Wings of Desire, um, and and the the opening to it is so good. It's is it a, hypnotic. It's hypnotic. I'll send it to you later. But mm-hmm. like, just watch the opening. It's like, it's really cool. And it takes place right after World War Two in Germany. Someone has to go back into Germany and do something right when the war is over. It's really and it's black and white and scary um hypnosis is done on the level of thinking so it keeps you on the level of thinking even though the person is saying you're going deeper you're going deeper this kind of thing the hip the hip the subject yeah <laughs> the hypner the hypnotist the <laughs> hypno the whatever that person is latched on to the voice of the hypnotizer
1: right yeah
0: and not going beyond thought and it also has to deal with a high. You have to be highly suggestible to be hypnotized. Um, meditators are are famously unhypnotizable because they're not as suggestible as normal people. Now, I don't want to make a blanket statement. I think meditators are sure they can be suggestible too. It's like our
1: force field. Kind of. It's
0: kind of like our force field. I think that's a good way of saying it. But I think they they'll have a harder time. I, I don't think I could be hypnotized. Um, there's a whole I, wait. Tune
1: in next week when we try to hypnotize <laughs> Teo. Just we I think should, we should just do have that. Should we hire a a? I uh, guess that yes, would yes, be such it. a good experiment. <laughs> Hank's the only one who gets hypnotized. I, I know. <laughs> I know.
0: He's acting like a kangaroo, <laughs> bouncing around.
1: I think we should definitely try that.
0: I just want to say that almost every podcast we've ever done. Hank podcasts with us. Yes,
1: Hank the dog, and he's is always yeah, here.
0: He's wearing his kerchief. Yep, and we call it a
1: bandana in this uh, house. Uh,
0: yeah, he's wearing his his <laughs> bandana. Yeah, and he's just I'm gonna pet him with my foot right now. He's a yeah, good, he, very he good boy. He usually
1: lays in between us.
0: Yeah, very sweet. So hypnotism. Some people are concerned with that, but you know, it's not. It's not. It isn't hypnotism, and. Well, there Hypnotism, is like, cadence. like there's a That's a, true yeah, but you're still it's still the... it's still dependency. There's still a dependency yeah. thing to it because someone else has to do it for you. Right. Where here there is in a sense the teacher does prop you up and give you the the technique but if you're hypnotizing yourself if you really are doing it I mean what would be the benefit of that?
1: If you're hypnotizing, well, I think the the doubt or the fear of the doubt would would be that you're hypnotized from the get go, right? Like the first, the oh, puja, the initiation, yes. somehow hypnotizes you. In terms, I mean, that's what I would yeah. imagine it to
0: yeah. be. Yeah. Well, the puja, it is a sequence of sounds that opens up the heart, right? And that's and, why I was saying yes. that's
1: that's the um repetitive, right? signature that mm-hmm. one might think or worry. Is
0: and, yeah, buy. and I think that's an okay um, sort of a viewpoint on it because no one's ever seen puja before. I mean, it's, it's such a rare thing for Westerners to see. Right. It has a, quali- a sweet quality to it where you melt a little bit and it does open up the heart and when you get the, the mantra, a lot of times people because I give it right after that, there's a good reason. Um, because your heart is open. And these are bija mantras. And bija mantras do get sort of planted in the head. Think of a seed. Seeds aren't, you don't just throw a seed on the ground. Kind of push it in the ground a little bit. Right. And puja helps that. Um, puja only works live. You don't do it. This is why we don't teach online. People always ask, can you t- teach online? But there's there's a, a phenomenon called, I'm going to say it wrong, prana prastisha. Prastishtha, something like that, which breathes life into the mantra itself. It doesn't. An electronic version of it doesn't work. Right. So, and then I, you know, as you know, I give it to you, and you, you know, you meaning whoever learns, and you say it out loud for a bit, and then think it, and then uh, sometimes the next day people say, "I forgot my mantra." You didn't forget it. It's just that it's at a lower layer. It was planted in a layer lower or deeper. And your eyes open waking so
1: the good news is there's not hypnotism but you are implanting chips into our brain <laughs> yes. during the ceremony <laughs>
0: yes 5g we just we <gasps> we we're not a cult we just like tracking your every movement yeah watch out
1: <laughs> um <laughs> it was just planted a little bit too deep yeah for you
0: <laughs> so sometimes when you settle I see people say they come in they're like I have no idea what it what it is and I say sit down close your eyes and just let your your mind settle into your simplest form of awareness. And they do that in about 15, 20 seconds later, they go, oh my God, there it is. It's, it's underneath the noisy surface of the gross relative field. And these mantras don't mean anything. They have no intended meaning. What's bizarre, though, is sometimes when you go to India, you might pass... Um, there was spiritual dark ages in India, uh, a little, you know, 2500 years ago. And A lot of these mantras got out during that time because people were misusing them. So sometimes even though we keep these secrets just for our own benefit, if you go to India, you might be in a tuk-tuk driving along and you might see like a motorcycle repair shop, but the name of it is your mantra. And it's jarring to see your mantra in like green letters. It's just very, very strange.
1: I don't know that I would feel... I don't know that I would know how to spell my mantra. i tried not to think well, about it. Well,
0: because it's not a word um, well, well, here's the other thing. It's not a word in terms of there's a correct spelling because it's an onomatopoetic sound. Right. It was a sound first before the written language ever existed or Devanagari ever existed. Devanagari's written Sanskrit. So, you could see it, you could pass three mechanic shop all with the name of your mantra but all spelled differently.
1: I still, I don't know that I would... Yeah. Have you ever given someone the wrong mantra? Nope. Never. Never. You're absolutely positive.
0: I'm absolutely positive. There's a fail-safe um, uh, component okay. to it. And uh, and you... Uh, I'll tell you who can give the wrong mantra is people who don't do puja. Okay. Those Those... Initiators who decide not to do it for whatever reason, maybe they're too embarrassed because they're teaching corporate, which is such a bad idea. you yeah. know don't deprive them of that experience yeah um, or for whatever for whatever reason i'm I didn't want them to think I was really whatever your dumb reason is for not doing puja because it's so important um, if you don't do it, you can give the wrong mantra that component that failsafe component is isn't there so <laughs> Hank wants to go out. And Hank's like, I cannot well, handle this he conversation. He's <laughs> um, like, the wrong mantra. I know. What? How come? I'm, I'm going to go dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's, you know, it, it's. I know people who have reported to me that they got the wrong mantra, but I. To have the discussion. I think I, this is one of those discussions that it, sh- it really should only be taking place during teacher training because it's a very, you have to get there to the mantra thing, um, which means you have to do all those rounds. You have right. to, We can talk around a, a little bit, but mantras tend to be very, you know, their nature is to move towards the subtle. They don't like being talked about. Yeah. Weirdly enough. Well,
1: that's why, that, and that's what made me think of this, is seeing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've been very conscientious not to, like, look it up or try right. to write it down right. or anything like that. Yeah. So I don't even know. It has no correct spelling.
0: Yeah. Um, You can spell it. It's not like that. that's coming from a uh, Western English language sort of viewpoint that we've got to get the correct spelling. And in other, in Devanagari, you know, or, or whatever, if you're going to go like Gurmukh or something like that or some whatever it is, some word in Sanskrit, there is, a lot of them do have proper spellings, but these onomatopoetic, you know, what's the sound for... I don't know. You know, you'd have to G P H H H K K L. Yeah. Not an L. Um. Maybe an L. Maybe an L. A silent L.
1: <laughs>
0: That's your mantra. When I when I initiated um, Brienne, I said, okay, here's your mantra. I'm like, don't tell anyone. Now
1: repeat you can it never back. Never repeat this. I
0: shouldn't have said I'm so I'm sorry. I've, now everybody knows Brienne's mantra. Guilty. You blew it. I blew it. But trust me, that's the right one. I gave you the, I gave <laughs> you the keep, right one. Keep, keep it up with that. <laughs> um, what other doubts?
1: Well, I think one thing that I've asked you and I asked you recently is our what happens if we disagree with our teacher?
0: Mm. Um, I think it's healthy to disagree with the teacher. I think what we don't want to do is throw it away Throw it all away, but use the disagreement as uh <clears throat> as a trigger or as a motivation to to find out more knowledge about that one thing. yeah, I think it's totally okay i've I've disagreed with my teacher before um it's rare, but there's been times where I've disagreed with him and then have found out that he is actually completely correct and then there's other times where I've disagreed with him, and I still kind of feel in this one little area. I think you might not, you know, be, but that's okay for, because if you're starting to have ideas like that, like I, actually it's kind of true, but maybe it's more true this way. You might be becoming a teacher. You might have, your perspective is valid, but what I would always do is let that motivate you to find the knowledge. Right. To, to, to dig a little bit more because the Vedas they are so deep. Um, There's, they say, they re, you know, they're just endless. You can never study all the Vedas in a lifetime and they have something to say about everything. So I think that it's healthy. What um, you don't want to be is irreverent. You don't want right. to be like, you
1: know, I know better. Yeah, or, you want to yeah. you
0: want to it, it's best to come with folded hands, especially in a disciple guru relationship, um, which I don't feel I, I don't I am not a guru. I'm a teacher. I'm a definitely a teacher. But I see my teacher as a guru, and so if I ever felt really strongly about something with him, my hands would be folded, and I'd say, Guruji, I got a question for you. Yeah, I, I kind of feel this way, and I just and I'm curious. And um,
1: but you all have had those conversations. That
0: I've had a couple of the, yeah. those with him, and and he's uh, usually set me straight. <laughs> you know, usually he'll he, he's, you know, very generous and will say this, this, this and I think, huh. Yeah, I think he's right. Um, I disagree way more with other teachers. Yeah. Uh and or my astrologer on or whatever
1: Methodology, I, or methodology, or on methodology on the and different knowledge.
0: things, concepts, all of it. Okay. Um, but I still love everyone. I, I love my colleagues like I do my brother. They're like but they are brothers and sisters to me. Yeah. So I don't think that disagreement is bad because if we're in a thing, if we're in a situation where we're not allowed to ask questions, then we're in a religion. Yeah. And we're in some kind of a dogmatic situation that can get a little like, you're not allowed to question the master. How are you going to have discourse and how how is knowledge going to grow? That sometimes the disagreement can add to, um, uh, spiritual growth or to greater understanding or insight that you couldn't have possibly imagined if you just were brooding and disagreeing right. <laughs> with with the concept or whatever. So I think it's a good thing. I, I If if you disagree with your teacher, I mean, what you don't want to do is embarrass. I've had people try to embarrass me too, I mean, like intro talks and things like this, like, well, what about blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they, you know, they're just like so... <laughs> And we all know those people, yeah. we've all been in class with those people. Yep. Um, and, and as a teacher, you want to be firm and kind, um, and as a student, you want to be respectful and receptive. But uh, if we take disagreement out of it, then we wouldn't have had this body of knowledge called, called the Vedas because disagreement that can sometimes sharpen. The, the, that blade of discrimination. Discrimination not in the racial sense, yeah. I have to make that clear, but discrimination as in what's true and what isn't. Um, what's relevant and what isn't.
1: I, it's interesting you say relevant because I wonder if there's any kind of doubt ever having to do with this ancient knowledge and how it intersects with life and with modern day culture in a way where you have doubts about it applying in a way that feels really relevant right now
0: right wait can you just ask that another way
1: well do you think there are ever doubts that you or meditators or people have about an ancient knowledge being applicable in today's world right in the same with the same kind of um you know passionate impact that it had mm-hmm. back then do you think that there's any doubt that that can still apply now Yeah
0: I see what you mean um since this is so the veda's uh, are are a priori they they were here before we were Yeah um but do I doubt that you know we could really get um uh, No let's
1: go deep on yeah, the doubt I think we have to I think we have to get into the doubt
0: Well what's interesting too is you you have that that the veda's are a priori they are this you know and and how do we know this okay how do we know this um well we do know that something came from nothing we're pretty sure about that we're pretty sure the vedas report it and quantum physicists report it there was nothing and then there was a singularity and a big bang and now you know Brian and I are in a room filled with guitars <laughs> You know, they all it's just the, They just all they just the, came out of like nowhere. Like you can't. Th- this is not an accident. This is a, a creation that's been modified and built by creators. There's a creator who creates creators, and those creators create and create and create. Because um, these guitars would have just fall together in the explosion, but here they are. So that consciousness field, Tria or pure consciousness, bifurcates. There's some mechanics here that we'll go deep into in, in exploring the Veda One. Okay. How how nature intends and how there's a bifurcation and then how something pops into the manifest. There's a whole system of that that you're gonna learn about. And that if you've done Veda One, you know this system. And if you haven't done it, you will do Veda One. And then the matter starts building on matter, and you know then you have this whole universe. You know you have gas giants, you have clouds and gummy bears. Whatever, guitars, stuff, <laughs> things, laws of nature, that that kind of thing. Uh, so something came from nothing, and and in pure consciousness is all. In, it's an ocean of intelligence, and there's prana which stirs that ocean, causing things to rise up out of it, and then we have this universe in that pure consciousness state. All there's there's in there's in these layers which we you know like ritam for instance and you can hear it you can hear sh- what we call shruti, s h r u t i.
1: I also have a friend named Shruti. Just I have clear. a friend named Shruti too. In She's LA? Indian. Yeah. Not in L.A. Oh.
0: In India. But my they're... Shruti is in L.A. Oh, my well, Shruti. My Shruti. <laughs> My shruti. <laughs> Tutti shruti. So uh, the, in the shruti, shruti you know, a lot of times after students learn how to meditate, they'll say, I'm, whenever I meditate, I'm hearing this buzzing sound. Or when I lurk on Reddit, you know, it's on, on all the meditation sites, every day. Hey, I just started meditating. I'm hearing this buzzing sound. Do I have tinnitus? It's not tinnitus or tinnitus, depending on where you're from. It's called the shruti. And there's a sound, it's like, it it is the sound of all of those, the trillions of bifurcations happening all at once surrounding you. And in that sense, there's bandwidth. And you can tune into different sounds. And this is where cognition comes from. So all cognition is coming from the consciousness field. And these mantras were cognized. They were heard. Uh, My teacher always used to say, Um, You know, it's interesting. One phenomenon that happens in teacher training is you get the mantras at the very end of teacher training, but you do, you know, 800 rounds before them. My God, there's one month where you're just doing 14 rounds a day. So you're doing all these rounds and it's a lot of rounding. You're eating Ayurvedic food. You're so purified. You're listening to Samaveda at night, every night for three months. That's triggering consciousness inside you and awakening all the laws of nature inside you then what else you're you're doing puja you're doing puja every single day what else um teachers talking knowledge you know all of this vedic knowledge is coming out you're you're being crushed it's the beautiful crush of vedic wisdom and what happens is right before people get the mantras they start cognizing them before they're given by the teacher okay this is a phenomenon and 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 my point is i remember thinking like i've heard him say that but it didn't happen on my my teacher training right. and then one day i was out on a grass grass little area in front of the beach in bali and i was uh rounding with laura Poole and charlie cowling two colleagues of mine and laura just said let's guess each other's mantras and charlie's like no way i don't want to i don't want any in any part of that and laura's like we're we're getting them like tomorrow. You know right. we're all graduating. Let's just see if we can do it. And uh, and she said, "Let me try." And Charlie picked up his mat and moved away. He's like, "I want no part of it." It was like too, like something spookier. He was about to do something bad. And she, she said, "I want to get your guess yours I said, I don't want to, I don't want you to guess mine. She's like, "Well, guess mine." And I just thought for one second, blurted out the first thing that came, and she turned white as a ghost. I guessed it. I never heard these things. I didn't look them up. I didn't whatever. But I guess, and she was white, and she jaw dropped, and she's like, I don't want to do this <laughs> she and Send and I, it back. yeah, and I was it's kind of like getting the first word on wordle, you know you you it's a little you could be proud of yourself, but it's a little spooky as right, well right <laughs> um Montreal <laughs> uh anybody else playing wordle about there leave leave a note in the comments <laughs> <laughs> by the way. I do want to say that Bree got two got Wordle on the second guest two days in a row. I did, and I'm not really that happy about it. I have you're to admit, you're not happy.
1: For I'm a me. little,
0: I'm a little happy for you, but I'm also a little mad that I, that hasn't happened to me. What are you doubt? I don't know. Well, I me think, because we should address those, but maybe we do that in private. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know what? What I had doubts about was whether Tom Knowles might my initiator, my teacher, uh, my friend, and my guru, was telling the truth about higher states of consciousness. Uh, I think part of me felt, you know, when I learned, I I knew it wasn't going to work. I I didn't, I didn't, maybe it was going to work, maybe I just knew it wasn't. I felt like, oh, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to work. I tried so many different meditation practices, and I got my mantra, and everything changed from that moment. I was on you know what happened? I had a conniption fit. Yeah. I was on the floor. I was scream laughing, tears, snot, drool. I, I was I was make I was making a spectacle out of myself, and I couldn't control my body. It was shaking. I was laughing so hard, and then I started sleeping that night. So I was like, "Oh, okay, this is what I needed." Two things that had happened, and then I transcended the next morning. So three big things before in the first twenty-four hours. But as I heard him talk, I think a lot of it was you know, he's telling us about devas. He's telling us about, oh, you know, I knew what it was like to go deep because I transcended. But to hear him say, yeah, in cosmic consciousness, in CC, you'll be deep with your eyes open and you'll always be deep and you won't have to close your eyes and meditate to go deep.
1: And you had doubts about Ardemy that. And was
0: like, uh, I feel like, you know, it's, it's like you buy a car and then the salesman calls you up and says, isn't it great? It's like, your sales job is done. right? Like what? Now I'm suspicious. Um, what he was saying was knowledge. He wasn't trying to be, I mean, I took the class. That's what part of the class is. But it did feel a little bit like now that you bought this thing, now I have to convince you. And I was worried about that. I was like, but I could kind of see how that might be true. But what was even harder to swallow was uh, experiencing laws of nature as devas and having reciprocal relationships with these laws of nature or devas around me seeing them with my eyes and having an actual experience with something celestial that's filled with intelligence and that knows i'm there and that is um trying to reach out for some kind of reciprocal relationship or moment with me and i mean i wanted to believe that because it sounds so beautiful. But, but it you was vi- a lot of doubts about that. Um, a lot of doubts, and every time I heard him say it, part of me so wanted it to be true, so wanted it to be true because that's the world I want to live in. Uh, but part of me was like, I, can, wh- you know, I-, I feel like you're teaching all this, but maybe it's not meditation, maybe it's just you, yeah, you know, maybe it's you're the enlightened one, and maybe, um. Maybe that only happens to a few people, um, but then it happened to me, and it was real. It was an unambiguous experience, uh, several. Not, not a lot, but a few experiences that I cannot, I can't deny it. They happened. They were very real, and one of them, um, I even asked him about, and before, I just said one little bit, and then he told me the rest, because it's, it's a common experience that people have. Now my doubts are about unity consciousness. You know, I've experienced um, very real God-consciousness moments, and they're the most beautiful moments I've ever had in my life. Um, and But y- unity consciousness seems to... That's where my last doubts are. And even though I've had experiences of feeling like there's like i had an experience where space the space around me not like outer space or anything like that the space around me was an extension of me and that's unity but it was um it, it didn't last for too long and it didn't it wasn't enough to convince me i want unity consciousness to be real but also i haven't had a lot of god consciousness experiences have they happened there's no doubt about it there's just no doubt about it now I can point to my own experience and say that that was real. That happened. And I don't have to convince anybody. I'm not even trying to convince people. I'm just saying to me, I'm so convinced by yeah. it. But boy, do I doubt unity. Do I, you know, being in a state of unity consciousness where you don't suffer, where everything has extended self, everything is you. You know, if you're the ocean, all f- then all the waves are you. If you're in unity consciousness, all forms and phenomenon are you. How does that work? How does that fit in your head or how does.
1: And is that something that you can dip in and out of? You don't know.
0: Yes. I think in the stabilization period of it, my guess would be because you when you when you move slowly to sometimes too slowly into cosmic consciousness, um, sometimes you feel like you're in it and sometimes you don't so that it's Swiss cheesy over the years. You know, you're in it. You know, this is great. You know, I'm in it for a couple of weeks and then not. And then maybe months go by, and then you're in it again a little bit, and then it slowly starts to stabilize and normalize. Where you realize, "Oh, I've kind of been in it now for a while," um, and it happened just the way Tom said. That's interesting. God consciousness, these beautiful experiences. Will they? Will I be the, the, the lucky one? It's not about luck. It's about doing this technique. It's about moving forward, getting knowledge, showing reverence, um, and getting the stresses out, and at some point, your brain just starts to do this thing. Your your perceptual acuity does get sharper, and you can perceive the celestial through refinement of the senses by transcending and or um, staying in Ritam for a long time, and then suddenly, God consciousness starts to bloom, and it's amazing, so amazing that you just want it all the time, but boy, it's kind of a slow process. <laughs> um or i should i should say it's too slow for my liking but it's happening and unity i've only had one experience that was that i can remember that was like oh this is that and it kind of went away and uh so my doubts are i guess my doubts are it's not that does it exist. I kind of now, my the doubts move from does, I first doubted that unity consciousness was even possible or that it was it existed. Yeah. Now I doubt I can get there. There's still doubt that I can get there. Um, not, So
1: it's like personal doubt. It's, now it's personal
0: doubt. Yeah. yeah. Before it was just doubt in maybe I'm being sold, you know, a what, bill of goods? Bill, good? I was
1: going to say bill of goods, but <laughs> I. It's, it's a little bit tangential.
0: Yeah. But now I feel more, uh, will I get there in a way that's unambiguous or I don't know. I don't know. My doubts have definitely, because I'm also teaching this stuff now, as I'm teaching it, sometimes something is helping me teach it. Yeah. Which is a really fun part about being a teacher. You kind of begin to speak and something is helping the flow of the knowledge out. And that's something that's really, it feels really good. Uh, And whatever that is, I mean, it's consciousness, but it's this, it's analog, it's uninterrupted flow. Um, So my doubt, uh, you know, as a teacher, I start to doubt less and less because I'm actually teaching this stuff. And people don't understand. So I, I have to, as a teacher, dig deeper to help them understand more and give them more knowledge. And through that, I'm learning too.
1: Are there other things that has waged your doubt? Are there other things you've seen, experienced, other people? Hearing, using? I think
0: comparing notes with my colleagues really helps. Yeah. Hearing, um, you know, I sometimes hear Tom, my teacher, tell the same story over and over again. And there's been a time where I was like, oh, I've heard this, I've heard this. But now I'm like, wait, I, I think it's he's not just repeating himself, although he is repeating himself. It, it's, it's another coat of paint. And and through each telling, um, it begins to because it begins to wake up or confirm sort of what you are already starting to experience or realize. So now I think the only doubts left are in really in myself. That's like the last um battleground. You know. <laughs> which is why I'll probably self-doubt. Prob- yeah, self doubt, uh-huh. which is probably why I'm why it's i've been promising to teach the bhagavad gita to my book club for a long time and that's all about the greatest archer in the world having doubts you know and and he, and, and who's his charioteer who's his right hand man god krishna and he's still filled with doubt so doubt can sometimes be that last sort of remaining thing that won't die yeah but um but we we continue to hack away at it with uh, with knowledge. And the intellect, um, you've heard me say thorn removes a thorn yeah. before. The, the intellect tries to convince you that none of this is real and that you should have doubts and this isn't, you know. But But it takes a thorn to remove the thorn. So you have to, by taking these thorns together, you're sharpening it. And what you're doing is Removing that doubt with evidence and knowledge. So when you have a doubt, good, put up, it's time for a fight. You can say, you know, listen to your doubt who says, You're nobody. You give me a break. You, you get enlightened. Um, we know what, you, I know what you did. I know those terrible things you've done. You can't get enlightened. He's looking
1: at me right now. <laughs> He's looking I'm playing, directly at I'm me.
0: playing my intellect and pretending she's me. So, um, and then you have to listen and go, Okay, but here's what I know, I know this has happened, I know I've done this, and you actually have to battle. You have to, it's like a a prosecutor defense kind of a thing, and it's a courtroom drama, and you have to continually present evidence of your own enlightenment and your own deserving power against these doubts, and the doubting, the, the prosecutor, their evidence gets more and more flimsy. And at some point, the intellect will capitulate. And then we call that vivasaya nikabudi, which means the intellect that's ready to do business. This is um, the intellect that knows no doubt. This is uh, a resolute intellect. There's a whole um, there's a treatise on it, a book by Adi Shankaracharya called the Crest Jewel of Discrimination. We did it in our book club, but it's all about that. Uh, and I'm and I'm feeling. What's funny is the doubt gets more and more foreign. Like, when it's in you, it's just like, ugh, I don't want, you know. But a lot of that is because if you start to feel like you're moving into higher states of consciousness, the doubt itself feels almost worse, you know, like a black fly in your Chardonnay.
1: (laughs) Did you just quote Alanis Morissette?
0: I did. Now, that's ironic. Oh, my God. No. Our podcast is so I'm, dumb. Now I'm
1: full of doubt. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if
0: you have doubts as a student, reach, reach out, out to me.
1: <laughs> if you have doubts, reach out.
0: And and it's also okay. Yeah. It's really okay to have doubts. There's I don't think there's anyone um, who's ever been in this tradition who hasn't had doubts. Yeah. And, and it even shows that some of the masters of our tradition have moments of doubts, and that's okay. The thing to do is don't... Um, don't, like reach out because there's knowledge to be had there and uh, and I think you can grow from just a greater understanding of how all of this works. And that's it that's well all I said. want to say. Yes. Yes, so yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, so Jager Dev. and if you want to learn how to meditate, just reach out to me or one of my colleagues or I can help you find a teacher in your area and that's it. Thanks, Bree.
1: <laughs> Keep up the doubts. Keep doubting.
0: <laughs> Keep doubting. <laughs> or well. doubt't.